My new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, is out. You can get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what Nicholas said on March 6th on Amazon. Incredibly incisive, useful, and sensible. The author is not greedy and is, in fact, extremely generous and does not hold back on the knowledge he imparts. I've barely made it halfway to the book, and I'm already gushing over the book because it's an absolute gem. Nathan gets to the point quick, shows proof, and best of all, shows you not just what to do, but how to do it in explicit detail. To say the book is actionable is an understatement. Now, you guys that listen to the podcast know I'm detail-oriented, so that review might not surprise you, but I hope you grab the book. It's now a Wall Street Journal instant national bestseller. Grab it at capitalistbook.com. Audible version is available too. Left IBM in 2003. Today, a team of 40 people building Daisy Intelligence, really helping retail brands and other brands unlock revenue. They've got 17 enterprise customers paying on average, call it 20 grand per month, just past a $4 million run rate. That's up double from a year ago. So about 100% year over year growth. They've raised 4.5 million bucks. They're churning about 10% of revenue. That's on a gross basis each year, but they're expanding that same cohort 20%. So net revenue or attention of 110% year over year, spending up to four months of first year ACV on acquisition with their team of 40 people between Toronto and Ukraine, currently looking to raise 10 million bucks, hopefully north of a $40 million pre-money evaluation. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Gary Sarenverda. He's one of North America's preeminent authorities on artificial intelligence. He has over 25 years experience working with leading global corporations to deliver revenue and profit growth. He founded Daisy Intelligence in 2003, bringing autonomous machine intelligence to clients in retail, insurance, and healthcare. All right, Gary, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right. So you were maybe a couple years even before your time. Tell us about Daisy Intel. What's the company do and how do you make money? What's the business model? Well, we help companies make smarter decisions, uh, operating decisions that impact profitability. So in retail, you know, they, uh, you know, every week merchants have to decide what products they should promote, what prices they should charge, how much inventory they should allocate. And Daisy delivers those decisions to business users, no data scientist required. And the merchants can execute Daisy's recommendations or they can edit them and change them a little bit. And if they execute our recommendations, we've been able to double their net income, which is which is massive and unheard of. And that's really the power of machine intelligence. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the, I mean, what got you into this? 2003, did you just quit your corporate job and said, I want to launch a startup? Or I mean, where was your head at? Well, my uh, background is in aerospace engineering, and I, when I got into uh, exposed to the business world, I was really shocked at how little math and science was used in business. And when I was younger, I thought all these big corporations must really have their act together and be super awesome. And and they're great businesses. I don't want to denigrate them, but not math and science wasn't being used. So I kind of took my math skills from aerospace, brought them to business. Um, I ran IBM Canada's data mining practice and was one of their go-to global people and, and was using neural nets and 
machine learning in the 90s and you know, all the stuff that's in vogue today. So then I realized that, well, you know, I thought I could do it better, had this vision of autonomous where I think, you know, our, our vision is to, is, to do, is, is to solve problems that are beyond human capability, that are very mathematical, require lots of data, are highly repetitive, millions of decisions a day. Those are, it's a perfect problem for machines. And, and that was the motivation. And, and really the goal was to minimize poverty. You know, that, that's the mission statement. If we make a retailer more efficient and more profitable, they won't bank the money. They'll invest it in lowering prices. And in insurance and banking, if we eliminate fraud, we'll lower the cost of insurance and banking. And, and uh, so if we lower the cost of services in every industry, then that means the cost of living goes down for consumers. And that, that was really my vision, really, to fulfill the promise of the information age. With the big assumption that you're competing in markets, which will essentially, the, the management teams will always drive those price savings back through to consumers. You're assuming this is a market that is in a price war. Yeah, I think in, in the most companies will because you know that's how you gain market share. And and I think in retail, which is fifty percent of world GDP, it's an industry that's really driven by price, and and price drives market share. So I think uh, I think in that industry it works. And and I think in general, the cost of everything is getting to the limp, to the level where they have to cut costs because consumers just can't afford to keep paying increased insurance premiums and more banking fees and you know efficiency has to be found somewhere. And I, I think we've gotten close to the limit. I, our incomes haven't kept pace with, uh, you know, with the cost of all of these services. Mm-hmm. Give me a sense of the, of the business model. What's an average customer pay you maybe per year? I'm sure you have a ton of different variants, but on average. On average, they're paying you know two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand a year in that range, uh, and uh, it's a monthly fee. And and for us, if we don't deliver ten times that return, we tell our customers we're going to quit and move on because we're really selling net income growth is what what Daisy sells, and uh, and we've been able to do that so far with all of our customers. Yep. So if someone's paying you five hundred grand per year, or actually let's do your lower end, two hundred fifty grand per year, or about twenty grand a month, what do you need to look at when you're signing them? as a customer and how much gross merchandising value do they need to be doing for you to know that there's room to shave off 250 worth of, of cost savings? Well, we, we've been able to get a minimum of 3% top line sales. You know, so if you're a, if you're a hundred million dollar company, that means you're, we're, we're helping you generate 3 million in, 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 in uh, new sales of which two thirds is cost of goods sold. So we would drive a million to the bottom line in that case. So a million there, we're, getting paid 250 that would be the kind of low end of ROI. So typically we're working in companies at the small end that are 100 million and most of our clients are kind of in the billion 2 billion dollar range and then we have some really large clients who are who are in the 10 billion dollar plus range. The re- the retail kind of margin gross uh, net margin you just assumed was it sounded like 20 or 30%. Is that fairly standard? Well, the gross margin in grocery is typically, you know, kind of a third, I would say 35%. Gross margin. Got it. Yeah. yeah, Gross margin. Net margin in grocery is, you know, very little market guys are, yeah, less than 1%. And, you know, maybe the big general merch guys are, you know, really good one is, you know, 3%, right? So that's why one of the reasons I chose retail, because I felt, you know, Doing something 1% better doesn't sound like a lot, but if you can achieve that in retail, it has a massive impact. That's right. Okay, so let's put this all on a timeline. Again, what year did you launch it in? I launched in 2003. Okay, 2003, and you were just leaving IBM at that point? I left IBM in 2003, and I founded Daisy. Okay, and what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers on the platform? 
Total customers, we have a total of uh, 17 customers today. Yep. And this is these are very kind of very, very high touch kind of customers because of what they're paying you. Yeah, we have uh, from we have Canadian customers in Canada, United States, one in New Zealand, and and uh, one in Europe. So there's a global need for a product. We have a lot of uh, sales opportunities in Latin America as well. So there's a need for the product. We're raising capital to try to scale the company. We believe we have something that's uh, secret sauce that applies everywhere. Uh, you know, we're the only company using reinforcement learning and in, in outside of engineering, and uh, that really delivers huge value. Gary, you're considering a raise. What general kind of range are you at today in terms of monthly recurring revenue? Yeah, we're kind of at 4 million in ARR. And and so we're kind of right at the threshold of where a lot of the kind of VCs, large VCs, series A, you know, so, you know, we, you know, we're looking kind of at a 10 million plus raise, the more, the better. I think 10 million goes quickly. It allows us maybe to scale to one global market and uh, to invest more in our kind of fintech offering, which we've kind of been very opportunistic about to date. Um, and uh, we envision then to do a series B to grow the scale of the company beyond uh, you know, outside to other markets. So we're thinking kind of either Europe, Asia, Latin America. And if we find a partner who's willing to put in more, then we'd go to more markets at once. So assume a $10 million raise, what valuation in an ideal, I know you're probably still negotiating this, but in an ideal world, what would you like to raise at? Um, I know the valuation is a tough thing. I think, you know, our IP is, is, uh, is, you know, a lot more valuable. The VCs, you know, there's a lot of different types of investments going on there. We've seen companies pre-revenue raise a hundred million. And, uh, so I'm not sure if you look at a IP valuation, I'd say we're more than a hundred million in value. If you're looking at purely financial metrics, like typical SaaS companies, then we're maybe, we're maybe 30 to 40 million in value today. Yeah. So if you got a term sheet for someone saying, Hey Gary, we'll, we'll give you 10 million bucks. It'll be a $40 million pre money valuation you're selling us 20 percent of the company essentially would you i mean is that a deal you look at yeah absolutely i mean you, you know we want partners who can help us scale i think the money's great and then we just want folks who've got experience scaling and can help us network into the industries we sell into but yeah. for sure those are the deals we're looking for today and having some early conversations and bootstrap today uh, no, we did a kind of angel race, super angel race. We've, we've raised about four and a half million. Since 2016, we sold off a professional services business that we used to build all the IP. Yep. And then we became 100% kind of recurring revenue in 2016. Since then, we raised with a couple of uh, significant super angels, about four and a half million dollars uh, so far. And we have Venture Debt, a company called Espresso Capital in Toronto, who's been a fantastic partner. Has, uh, you, you, you have a, a Venture Debt facility facility with them that uh, is based on MRR. And, and the payment back on that as a percentage of monthly MRR or it's a term loan with fixed interest rate? Uh, it's a term loan with a fixed interest rate as we draw down. And then, you know, they've been rolling over the terms as we get larger and larger. They've been very supportive. So it gives us, it's expensive capital, but it gives us a non-dilutive uh, yep. uh, capital and gives us flexibility to negotiate with VCs who, you know, we're not running out of money as we're having these conversations. Now that's, you've positioned yourself extremely intelligently. Um, talk to me about growth. If you're doing 4 million today, what were you doing about a year ago in terms of run rate? We grew a hundred percent in the last year, so we've done kind of basically triple, triple, and a, and and it'll be a, you know close to a double by the end of this year. So and and we're really chicken in the egg. Now we need capital to keep the growth rate as we got larger and larger. It's hard to maintain that pace, but for us, we if we raise the ten million uh, before the year end, then you know we'll see the growth kick in in the back half of two thousand nineteen. So we expect to uh, do a double next year and then back to another year of triple. That's kind of what our model is. You know our 
we, we envision if we get to about 50 to 60 customers, we think we'll be in the, you know, close to a billion dollar valuation. And we're already at kind of 17 today. So it doesn't seem like a stretch that over the next three years, we could, we can get to that kind of unicorn valuation. What's your, what's your team size today? We're currently 40 people with kind of 12 open positions. So, you know, growing fast and we want to invest in the team. We've got a great team who's been working very hard and we want to kind of give them some more support to, to help them as we continue to add more customers. And where's everyone based? We're all based in Toronto. We have an offshore team in the Ukraine. We have uh, four people there uh, who, who uh, kind of help us because we got our, our customers are in many different time zones, especially with New Zealand. So trying to cover the 24-hour clock. But uh, 90% of the company is based here in Toronto. We have one uh, salesperson in the U.S. that we just hired our first U.S. Uh, sales guy who's based out of North Carolina. That's great. Talk to me about, about churn. So obviously churn's critical in this kind of business. What's your revenue churn been over the past year? Our revenue churn is negative. So, um, you know, we've, we've been growing. We've lost a few customers. The, the big challenge for us is change management. You know, we're flying right into the face of human machine interaction. So some merchants are have a, you know, don't want to have us stepping on their toes and telling them what to promote and what prices to charge. That's their job today. So in the companies where we haven't achieved that change, we've lost a few early clients. But in overall, our clients, clients have been paying more. We typically give them a discount in the first year uh, to account for the ramp up time. And the second year, the fees go up. So from, from the revenue perspective, it's negative churn, although we've- How negative, Gary? Awesome. Uh, we've grown, I mean, our revenue has grown, uh, you, you know, kind of negative 10% is, uh, okay. is what I'd say, even though we lost kind of two or three customers. Right? So Gary, I want to, I want to peel that onion back for a second. So that means customers you signed up a year ago, Today, maybe you lo- you lost three customers, which were making up what five ten percent of revenue. Yeah, something like that. And then okay. the remaining customers, we grew their revenue by kind of twenty percent. Exactly. Right? And then, you know that's so. so and you know, and, and and we have multiple modules we sell. So some customers, you know, our contract meant they were paying more in the second year, and then some of them also added additional products. Yep. No, that's healthy. One hundred ten percent net revenue retention is great. And then, what are you spending to acquire these customers? Fully weighted. Um, our CAC ratio is kind of two and a half, um, and, uh, and and I think we can improve that. Sorry, ratio to what? Uh, the, you, know, you know, the cost of acquisition, you know, the customer cost of acquisition over uh, annual contract value. So our annual contract value is two and a half times kind of a customer acquisition cost. Oh, that's good. Right? So, so your payback period you know, is what, like four, like four months, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's healthy. So, so four, and then I think you said people are paying basically about twenty grand a month. So, you know, what is it you're spending? You know, you're happy to spend eighty grand to get a two hundred two hundred thousand dollar customer. Yeah, and and you know, our sell cycles kind of six to twelve inch months. You know, it depends. You know, the larger customers take longer. The smaller ones go fairly quick. We sell to the C level, uh, so the sales happens reasonably quickly. You know, retail is not the fastest moving industry, but when you talk to the C level people, they either do they decide pretty quickly whether they want to work with you or not. So that helps. That's great, Gary. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book is Built to Last, a Harvard business book that uh, talks about some great companies and cultures. And that's that's a great book. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, Not particularly. I mean, I've been kind of smoking my own fumes, but I mean, I like some of the guys like Tim Cook seems to be a really, really great guy. And I, I take good things from everybody. I mean, a lot of CEOs, a lot of smart people out there have a lot of great little philosophies. So I, I mean, I, I, I listen to all the popular ones that people are following and 
take a tidbit from everybody. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? My favorite online tool. Um, I think Salesforce is a great tool that we use for kind of customer management and customer contact. So I, I, I would say Salesforce. That's great. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh God, four hours maybe. Full yeah. Gary, how are you living? It's brutal. Yeah. It wanes, it goes up and down, but on average, I would say the last month has been about four hours a Jeez. night. Get up and go to the gym in the morning. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? I'm married, have three kids. Uh, uh, it's a, you know, it's a second marriage, but they have three grown up children who are one's finished university, two in second year university. That's great. And how old are you? I'm 52 years old, 52 years young, Gary. Last question. Yes. What do you, what do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, I wish I'd started a business 15 years earlier. So I think I wish I knew more about corporate finance and a little bit more about human psychology with an engineering degree. It's, you know, very focused on technical and math, but I think more financial knowledge and more human psychology knowledge would have been great. Guys, start a company earlier, more management, more business knowledge. Going from Gary, seems to be doing fairly well though. Left IBM in 2003. Today, team of 40 people building Daisy Intelligence, really helping retail brands and other brands unlock revenue. They've got 17 enterprise customers paying on average, caught 20 grand per month, just past a $4 million run rate. That's up double from a year ago. So about 100% year over year growth. They've raised 4.5 million bucks. They're churning about 10% of revenue. That's on a gross basis each year, but they're expanding that same cohort 20%. So net revenue or attention of 110% year over year, spending up to four months of first year ACV on acquisition with their team of 40 people between Toronto and Ukraine, currently looking to raise 10 million bucks, hopefully north of a $40 million pre-money evaluation. Gary, thank you for taking us to the top. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time.